Prepare to be captivated by the business story of the week, hosted by me, Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic that turns dreams into reality. This is Business Story of the Week. And welcome back once again, folks. Here at Business Story of the Week, I am Joshua. I am your co-host. And you know how it is. Every day we uncover stories of success, perseverance, and people who's innovated, leaders in their field. And I'm, I'm quite excited for this uh, guest today because I'm, I'm, I'm a sports fan myself and I, I really want to get into his experience. And I'm sure you guys will enjoy it as much as I do. Bill Gertine is known in the sports business as the 800-pound gorilla of peak performance. <laughs> He's an expert in sports sales and performance coaching and has revolutionized ticket sales departments for over 100 pro sports teams across North America. As the co-founder of ISBI 360, he's a pioneer in providing sales training, support, and sales talent recruitment worldwide. Bill captivates his audience with his keynote presentation called The Seven Voices in Your Head. Very interesting. We'll get into that. On peak performance, and mental health and also he has the sales for non-salespeople also i would love to ask a little bit about that leveraging his unique sports industry insights to inspire and educate on sales and speak performance today bill is joining us to share his story his insight bill welcome to the show how are you doing you great joshua Hey, thank you. I appreciate being invited to be a part of this and looking forward to our conversation. Fantastic. I'm, I'm quite excited as well. I, I always like to start this like I always do from the very beginning. Where did the journey begin? How did you get into sports? Were you an athlete before? What was the first sports that you played? And why are you the 800-pound gorilla? Well, well, we'll slow down. We got to take one at a time there. Wow, I, I got all yes, of it. for one. sure. <laughs> so let's begin the the gist of my existence was yes, radio yes. when I began. I really wanted to be uh, the next hot top 40 DJ. And so at 16, I became the youngest radio license, licensed radio broadcaster in the state of uh, Illinois. Yeah. That was my passion. That was my mission. That's what I aimed to do. At 21, yeah. I, w- I figured out where the money was and it wasn't on the air. It was in the sales department. <laughs> and so I began a 25 year career of managing and selling radio advertising in several smaller markets around the Chicago area. And Uh then about 2001, I saw the Uh iPod. And granted, I worked for small market radio stations whose biggest claim to fame was that they were connected to those local people with news and information and music you could get at any time. And when Steve Jobs said you could put a thousand songs in your pocket, I really felt as though there was no use for local radio anymore and we ought to just pack it in. And I was wrong, but that really started me on a quest to find out what else was out there. Uh, Like everyone else that's been in a career for a lot of years, you think, gosh, are there any marketable skills that I have beyond what I'm doing right now? And by the way, for anybody that's listening out there, the answer is yes. 
your skills, whatever industry you are in, is marketable mm -hmm. to many, many industries. So don't feel as though you're boxed in simply because of the information that you've got within you and you think that it's only applicable to that industry. So mm -hmm. I went ahead looking around and I really liked sports like you, Joshua. I was a big fan. And so I began looking for opportunities to be able to crack into the sports market. I began mm -hmm. speaking in places that needed customer service or team building or sales training, because that's what I had done as a radio sales manager. And then I found an opportunity to work with the Chicago Bulls. I started at the top, it seems. Uh, they wow. were in need of a sales training resource at that time. And so I went ahead and, and put in my application to be a part of that. And interestingly, they what looked at it and said, well, this would have been 2001. And wow, okay. it, it took a few years to get there, but indeed mm -hmm. we actually made it there. And indeed that is the group from my first class in wow, 2004 of the Chicago Bulls. And so I'm very pleased oh, wow. to say that this was, yeah, how about that? So that was my very first group. And so I've been very privileged then to be a part of over 100 different groups just like this throughout North America. But what I ended up Fantastic. finding is that there were so many other people that I worked with that seemed like they were capable and qualified to do the work, but for some reason didn't make it past that first 90 days or so. And so I was on a mission to find out what it is that separated those equally talented people, one from doing really, really well in the industry and another that wouldn't and faltered just a bit and had to go somewhere else. And so that's literally where the seven voices was born. Wow, that's fantastic. So you, you went from radio host, the youngest licensed radio broadcaster. That is very cool. And then you went into sales, which is just as equally cool. You went on it early and you work with the Chicago Bulls. I was going to ask prior to this show, I was thinking like, wow, did he work with any basketball teams? Like, and I'm, I'm pretty happy that you have background on that. Um, Absolutely, hey, I do. Awesome. And hey, you know, if this is your sport, we'll be able to talk later on. All right. Fantastic. Uh, Bill, thank you for that background. Thank you for the transition from your early experience into your sales experience and now bringing that type of, um, how you say this, that that sales perform, that sports performance experience and elevating people, getting them to do that breakthrough. My other question earlier why are you the 800 pound gorilla? Do you wake up every morning pounding your chest? <laughs> well, the, the definition was actually a phrase that was coined about 75 years ago in the media. And it was designed to, to represent a company that was so big and so dominant that it was hard to compete with. Companies at that mm -hmm. time, like IBM and General Motors and right. Ma Bell at that time. And right, right. what I wanted to be able to do is to help others become the dominant players in whatever it is that they did, whether it was sports or heating and air conditioning or insurance or whatever else that they chose to pursue. And so that's mm -hmm. where the moniker, the 800 pound gorilla came in. I've copyrighted and trademarked that. And so it is indeed my own. And, and the definition of an 800 pound gorilla is an individual or company whose tactics and techniques result in an unfair share of the available business. Wow, that's so cool. I am going, we're going to clip that. We need to clip that one because that is very <laughs> cool. We need that information. Um, 
Bill, I, I, I want to get into the nitty gritty of this right now and your experience when it comes to, um, before we get into your keynotes, I want to talk about and ask about ISBI 360. You are yes. pioneering the sales training and I believe this is what you what what is helping people now are salespeople, not just in the sports industry, I imagine, uh, you know, getting them to break through, like you said, what it takes for them to get to that next level. Um, what other pro sports, and you've worked with 100 pro sports teams across North America, what are the most notable ones? And how was ISBI 360 in the center of this? Well, I've been very, very fortunate to have been partnered with many of the most iconic teams in on the planet, the Boston Red Sox, uh, the New York Mets, the wow. Chicago White Sox, uh, the San wow. Francisco Giants in baseball, uh, and in football, certainly the Houston Texans, the Carolina Panthers, among many others. And, and I'm grateful for the ability to come into those organizations and bring them the information that they need to be able to help sell their tickets to others. Precisely. Despite everyone's thoughts, tickets don't sell themselves. Uh, unless you are a team that has a giant waiting list, the Green Bay Packers being one of those uh, and some others mm -hmm. that just have constant need to be able to work with the waiting list. And so they have a constant mm -hmm. stream of demand. Most teams mm -hmm. just don't have that. They have to be able to sell outwardly to others in a proactive way the tickets that they have. And so the techniques that I have developed over the past 20 years have helped over a thousand, it's, it really is in the thousands now of individuals, uh, help them overcome their fear of picking up the phone, first of all. And secondly, giving them the words to use to help figure out how it is that someone might be able to use those seats to benefit their lives. Whether it's a right. personal buyer, someone who's a business, or perhaps a group leader at a church or a YMCA or some other organization, how can mm -hmm. the team help them achieve the objectives that they have? As when it comes to sales, picking up the phones and getting all the tickets out there, getting everyone buying it. Um, I'm curious how, how much of the sales ticket landscape has changed throughout the years. You're talking about, you talked briefly about people picking up the phones and selling it to them. And that was what, years ago, like 2001, maybe when you were the Chicago Bulls. But how has that landscape changed now? We're all online. Is it more chat-based? Do you still call people? And have you seen a growth in ticket sales when it comes to the changes? Well, there's a lot of questions packed in there, Joshua. I'll try to pick one at a time. There has been sure. a sea change within the ticket industry, many of whom have began 20 years ago with the advent of what we call third-party sites like StubHub or others that are selling tickets of their own on a third-party mm -hmm. site. Uh, many people have come into the kind of the business of their own by owning season tickets and then parsing them out to others yes. to the games that they would not want to see. Yes. And that was a very common mm -hmm. practice and, and continues to be to this day and is one of the factors that is used to be able to sell season tickets to others. They can use the ones they want and then they can pawn yep. off the ones that they don't to some others using yep. third party sites. Well, unfortunately, mm -hmm. the secondary market, as that is called, has now almost become the primary market. People think first to go to sites like that instead of working with a team. And so huh. teams have to work really hard today to be able to proactively sell their own seats to their mm -hmm. own fans because of the mm -hmm. proliferation of third-party sites that make it very easy for nice. others to say yes to someone else. 
Mm-hmm. Something so like that's that, that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Ticketmaster is one that that has that opportunity to do that, and there are many, many more that have come up. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just one change that has taken place within the industry. The move to digital ticketing has been a sea change as well. Many older fans went kicking and screaming when they uh, said, hey, I want my souvenir ticket that I want to be able to put up on my wall or have in my drawer. Mm -hmm. And now with the advent of digital ticketing, which is almost 100% uh, within every sport now, uh, it has become almost uh, unusual to see a printed ticket today. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One is that it's more difficult to counterfeit those because there many, many people had been sold bad tickets that literally did not work. They were copies of something else. But it also has to do with data. And that's where the sea change has happened in the last 20 years. Data mm-hmm. has changed the landscape of ticketing. Want, teams want to know who people are, but beyond where mm-hmm. they sat and how much they spent, what their lifestyles are, and how they can best work with them to generate more revenue to also not just revenue for them, but an an enjoyment experience, a a higher and higher fan experience that becomes more enjoyable for the fan. And so if you look at season tickets today versus 20 years ago, season Uh tickets, 25 years ago, if you bought season tickets, you got season tickets. Today, there is a huge amount of benefits and bonuses and freebies and gifts that you receive as a part of being a season ticket member. It is common practice for you to get hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars worth of additional things like on-field experiences and gifts that are made specifically for you, wearables that have become part and parcel of that. And so uh, there are many that say there's never been a better time to be a season ticket holder than right now because of all the different benefits that are heaped on to the fan as we go. So there's, that's just a few of the many changes that have taken place over the last 20 years. That's fantastic. Like, I love how you pointed out that, you know, there's a the, the digital advent and how the experience has changed. And while there are still changes in the digital world and how the fans would like love their tickets, there's still these older fans who want that memorabilia, who wants those souvenirs. And it's still it's still such a strong experience, right? Um, when it with going to sports events, it's still such an event. It's just such a powerful, powerful uh um gathering of people um before i really get into your keynote which i wanted to get to eventually i want to talk a little bit about your background like uh what what sports did you play and um if you were to pick any of the major sports teams you've been with who who did you have fun with working the most <laughs> i have to pick the bulls as my number one they've been the kindest to me over the years and i've been back there many many times over my career and uh, they continue to be one of my favorites. Uh, the person that hired me originally is still there. And so we wow. converse on a regular basis. And so it's it's been a joy for me to have them as my very first and very favorite client. I mm-hmm. see probably more Bulls and White Sox games than anyone else, uh, uh, any other wow. teams. But I'm fortunate when I go around the country that uh, so many people that I know have always said, if you're in town, please let me know. We'd love you to be our guest that I do mm-hmm. get uh, several opportunities to be able to see some things that others do not. Uh, and I never take it for granted. If I'm in Boston, for example, the Red Sox have a, a standing invitation for me to come out and see and, and sit in whatever seat they have. I don't care necessarily. I just want to be there in Fenway and to feel that vibration within Fenway. But uh-huh. uh, uh, it, it's taken me a lot of different places and I feel very blessed and honored to have that kind of relationship with many teams around the country. 
That's fantastic. That's a great. That's such a wonderful, you know, like experience that you have, an opportunity that you have. I don't know if you know, but here in the Philippines, we are basketball crazed, like crazy. Understand? Yep. We are like it's probably the worst type of sports for us because we're pretty small, but we it never stopped us. <laughs> well, the tall people not, really stand out. I, <laughs> it's not a good match to be to be honest but it's never Whoa. stopped us in, in almost every locale there's a form of basketball court you know, we, we just love it and you know that feeling of of um that love and that camaraderie when it comes to these sports events is something i feel like you know is such a blessing and opportunity for you to have and being this in the forefront of this kind of um sales sports sales movement so to speak and being the leading voice into it uh, I, I i'm just pretty glad that you're sharing us your unique sports industry wisdom today um bill let's get into your keynote it's very interesting the first thing the first time i read it it says the seven voices in your head and it's about peak performance it's about mental health um, you know, let's not, let, I, I want to, I want to dig deep into that. What are these seven voices and why do you call it these seven voices? Well, as I began my research with those who I worked with in sports, some who made it really well and others that found other opportunities that they faltered when they were in the sports industry, I began asking why. When I first did my job at the Chicago Bulls many years ago, I was struck because as I prepared for that, and it was my big moment, uh, it was this moment in a parking lot, literally right in the parking lot of the United Center, that I froze, that I was about to go in for the very first time, and I sat frozen at my steering wheel in my car, thinking wow. all these voices that were going on, how, what mm -hmm. if they don't like the material? How could I possibly teach them something they don't already know? And then it got worse, when I moved up and noticed where exactly I was, and there was the iconic Jordan statue yes. staring me yes. in the face, of course. And, and this is actually, this is now encased in an actual building of its own, and it isn't outside anymore. But it, it was one of those cathartic moments. And, and what I did at that time was I sucked it in, and I said to myself, self, you are here right now. This is your mm -hmm. shot. Prove mm -hmm. yourself. And so we went in, and we made that happen. And so... As I began talking to people afterwards about their personal experiences in sports, what I discovered were these seven buckets that kept showing up, these seven things that people had gotten in the way of that, that somehow messed with their minds and, and didn't allow them to succeed or go forward. And so what I thought was correct was I had those same thoughts going through my head in the parking lot. The premise I had was, were people having those same kind of thoughts within the sports industry? Did they have some of those self-doubts? And come to find out, they absolutely were. And so as I began doing the research, there were these seven voices pop up, these seven different things that seemed to pop up most often in my conversations with others. Uh, wow, one okay. of which... One of which is the, well, it's the voice of comparison. And, and if you don't mind, I'll share with you a little bit of, of how that goes. Some people call them the terrible twos. Okay. Comparison. I still see women's shoes 
Bill, I'm sorry. Um, you, maybe you have to turn it up. Oh, you did not have that audio. Indeed. My mistake. Essentially, the terrible twos were talking about the voice of comparison. Okay. The terrible and indeed, in, in the terrible two, T-O-O, -O, I'm too short, too skinny, too, uh, I wish I had a full head of hair like him. Uh, she's getting yeah. married and I'm not getting married and she's getting married again. And why can't I find the right spouse? That sort of thing becomes so overwhelming yes. for people. And no matter who you are, no matter where you are, it does come into factors where you're looking at others and you're comparing yourself. You're looking at someone in the car next to you and you're saying, hmm. All right, what's, you know, do they have a nicer car than it? Somebody happens to be jealous of somebody else when they're looking at somebody else online. It becomes just mm -hmm. this, this horrible thing to have to get over. Many of the people yeah. I work with have something called a hustle board. And this is something that you might've seen in sales departments around the country or wherever you happen to be in the Philippines. This is a board where all of the sales reps are on the right or the left side and all of their seats that they have sold for the week are on the right. So in this case, it would be club seats, reserved seats, suite rentals, and the total revenue that comes from that. Now, if you're in sales, you love this sort of thing. This is the kind of thing that you live for. You love the spirit of competition and wanting to be number one. And for others, you'd look at this board and you'd say, oh my gosh, this is, I, I'd flip out if I had to be compared like this all the time. So no matter what that is going on in your own mind that you're comparing yourself to, it is holding you back from what you truly could become. I call them wow. the brain invaders, those things that get in the way from what it is that you might be able to truly see yourself becoming. And so what we do within the seven voices program is we go through each one of those seven voices individually, and we talk about wow. how they affect your life and ways in which you can easily overcome those voices that are going on and move into the potential that you have within. That's fantastic. Uh, Bill, that first voice already that you pointed out is such a huge factor of getting people to break through, not just in sales, but in their personal life. You know, it is such a common voice for everyone. It always comes up. And, um, you know, as much as I want to cover all the seven voices for everyone, we need to go to your keynote for that, I imagine. But give us one more voice, Bill. Let us know sure. what it is that you feel that is more common and something that we need to overcome? Well, I think more than anything else, it perhaps is this one, and, and I'll just bring this up. It's inadequacy. It's the feeling of imposter syndrome. This is something that people felt quite often during the pandemic when people were looking to them for answers. And there really were none because this is an unprecedented time in history where people are saying things like, I don't really know the direction I need to head. What should I do next? where you're looking and saying, I'm being, I'm a fake, I'm a phony. Somebody's going to discover me as being someone who isn't really what they think I am. And so mm -hmm. in order to overcome that sort of thing, there are several specific techniques that we use. And much of it is language based to be able to help mm -hmm. people overcome what might be in front of them that's holding them back from what they truly deserve to be. That's, that's, oh wow. You really got me interested in the seven voices. Um, <laughs> I want to ask one more voice, but before, before, uh, <laughs> before we, before we really get deep into this, um, we're nearing the end. I have to wrap this mm -hmm. up, but sure. um, as much as I want this, you to stick around, maybe share us one more voice, but I also want to ask, um, uh, where can we catch this keynote? But more than that, 
I want to know what Bill is doing right now. What is the future for Bill Gertin? What is the future aspirations for the 800-pound gorilla? Um, how do you see sales, sports, industry improving or moving forward? And what are the things that you want to see? Well, there's so many. There are so many elements that I'm excited about, not only with the sports industry, but with the industries that hire speakers like myself. I think the right. what's happened in live events is that after the pandemic, they have come roaring back. Uh, travel right. is up. Conference numbers are up and people want to gather with others once again. And I'm thrilled yeah. to be able to hear that on multiple occasions. And what in 2023, we had one of the biggest years ever in sports attendance figures, mainly because yeah, yeah. everyone was just grateful to get back out and get back yeah. into those kinds of things that they are doing. And this is especially true in the younger demographic. What we're finding is that younger people in the US and in North America, at least, tend to be more focused on experiences than things. They will choose to buy themselves to trips and things that they would do like hang gliding or windsurfing or whatever it is they would want to do or baseball games to be able to yes. go to sporting events versus buying expensive things for themselves. And so that bodes well for the entertainment industry. And I think for those conferences that really sell themselves on the experience factor in coming to meet others and to get to know what's new in their industry. And so I'm very bullish on both speaking and on the sports industry. And I look forward to getting more of this seven voices message out to others because it really isn't just a message of entertainment because this uh, voice certainly entertains. It is a message of healing in many ways in helping others to fully realize what's inside them and to be able to bring that forth in a way that they may not have been able to do by themselves. Fantastic. That's such a great, um, Bill, I'll take us home. Pick us into a home run, share us <laughs> one more voice out of that seven, and you know, let the audiences know where we can find your keynote as well. I will do that. And it may be, uh, I'll share this one because it may be the most uh, maybe unknown voice wow. that's in their heads, the voice of genetics. And what I mean okay. by this is, and this is what I heard from others, is that I was not born on the right side of the tracks. And so right. this is all I was ever meant to be. Uh, nobody wow. else went to school in my family. Nobody's done this. My dad's been this. I am destined to be this. Yeah. And that is such a debilitating way in which to think because, yes, your DNA is 23 chromosomes and everything's there, but your destiny does not have to conform to your DNA. And that's the message that I have for most everyone. You can indeed transcend what you believe your background or your heritage or however you were born makes you look or feel or act. You do not have to be the most talented person in the world to break free of whatever genetic field is holding you back. Wow. And isn't that so re relevant to sports, right? Because everyone... Indeed. Like everyone feels like, okay, I can't get into sports because, you know, these people are just so much more taller. They're so much more athletic. How can I ever compete with them? Right. But, you know, it, it's overcoming that mindset as well is so important into thinking that, you know, I feel like it's overcoming that and start thinking that hard work beats talent at the end of the day. And, it, you know, and it's the same. I feel like it's the same with genetics in that. Okay, you may not be ahead of the curve a little bit, but 
we just need to get past that. We need to get past that mindset and we need to, you know, overcome these things, these voices. And we only got to cover three out of seven voices, Bill. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Bill, where, where can we find you? Where can we hear this keynote? Is it online? Um, and uh, where else can we connect with you? Great. You're welcome to do the sevenvoices.com. It gives you a very good overview of what it is that you can expect as a conference planner or someone whose group is in need of work relative to helping them overcome who they truly are. And for leaders out there, I want to say this specifically. Leaders have a specific role and responsibility for the people that they serve to make sure that they are cognizant of whatever voices may be going on in your people's heads. And this is particularly insightful for leaders who need to be able to identify those things that may be holding their own people back from what they can truly become. And so this becomes a very uh, co-mingling uh, kind of an opportunity for leaders and those they lead to be able to talk together about some things that may really help them break free of whatever limiting beliefs they have and become their true 100% selves. Fantastic. And who better? Who better to help you break through these barriers than the 800-pound gorilla himself, Bill Gertin. Bill, thank you so much for your time. Um, for the audiences and listeners out there, do not miss those information and, of course, all the wisdom that we've had. Um, make sure to check out Bill's website. Um, where can we connect with you, Bill? Are you on Instagram? Are you on LinkedIn? I absolutely am on LinkedIn. You're welcome to reach out to me there. And you're welcome to reach out to bill at the800poundgorilla.com. I answer all of my emails myself, and I'd be happy to answer anyone's inquiry personally. Bill at T-H-E-800-P-O-U-N-D-G-O-R-I-L-L-A.com. I'm working on shortening that URL, Joshua. Fantastic. And make sure to be pounding your chest while you contact Bill and let him know how happy you are to watch him here on this episode. Bill, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I'll catch you on the next one. It's my, my privilege to be here with you and your listeners. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Bill. All right. So here's the thing. We try to get a little bit better every day, but we can't do it without you. So if you like the video, make sure to like and subscribe below. And if you have any comments, just leave them in the space under.